I'd like to welcome those at Saratoga, our uh, folks at Greenbush and Half Moon, and our congregation at Latham as well. I hope you received a bulletin today. If you did, you'll notice that it's a bit different, right? It kind of folds out. So I invite you to do that right now. If you have a bulletin, if you don't have one, uh, perhaps an usher can get one to you or you can pick one up at uh, the place where you entered your, your sanctuary. Just go ahead and fold that out right now. And I want us to go on a bit of a journey today in this service as we talk about some exciting things that are going on at Grace. Now, if you're our guest today, we are so glad that you're with us. I don't know how this works at your home, but in our household, sometimes we just call these family meetings. You know what I mean? Where we all kind of come together and we'll sit together in the living room, perhaps, and, uh, and just kind of hash through some of the matters that are going on in our family. Well, that's what today is like at Grace, in a sense. So if you're our guest, we're thrilled that you're here. We're so glad that you've chosen to be with us. And we invite you to kind of listen in on this family discussion that we're having today. I want to talk to you about the different parts, as I promised I would last week, the different parts of this 2020 vision. And as we're getting started, I want you to look there at the top as you folded this out, look at the top there, at one of the most important verses, I would say, in all the New Testament. It's Acts chapter one and verse eight. Do you see it there? Uh, many of you know that verse well. You don't have to be a Christian very long before you'll hear someone refer to this important verse. These were some of the last words spoken by Jesus before he ascended to the right hand of God the Father. Very important words. He's kind of giving the marching orders of the church. I wonder if we could read this out loud together. All of our voices together, reading out loud at all of our different campuses. Let's see if we can do it together. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Now, the reason I want you to take note of that is notice the three different parts of it. Jesus said, as my witnesses, you're going to be always expanding, always thinking outwardly, always taking my gospel out to those who've not yet heard about it. You're not just going to stay in your holy huddles. You're going to be moving for me. You're going to be on mission for me. And I want you to hang three parts of this in your mind, if you would. First, he said it's going to start in Jerusalem. That was home base, of course, but it's not going to stay in Jerusalem. You're going to move out next to Judea and Samaria. So that's the second part of the outline today. That represented crossing not just geographic boundaries, but cultural boundaries, belief boundaries, socioeconomic differences. And you're going to take my gospel there, but that's not the end either. You're going to go and go and go until you go all the way to the ends of the earth, to every tribe and every people. Boy, I like that. That says to me that our job of making more and better disciples is never finished. It's never finished until Jesus returns. It's never finished until we can no longer make more and better disciples anymore. 
Jesus wants us to be taking his gospel and representing him well. Now, as we talk about the next three years, what we're calling this 2020 vision, I want to introduce you now to the different parts of this, the different parts of it uh, in terms of priorities, all right? It's all going to begin, and you're going to go from top to bottom here on your sheet. It's all going to begin with an expansion of our Half Moon campus. Now, we first went to Half Moon back in December of 2008 and, and took that building and began to refurbish it and so on. And when that congregation launched, we knew one thing. We knew it would not be adequate. I remember standing on the second floor of that building and talking with Pastor Justin Yim and saying, what an awesome location, what an awesome building. But we know one thing, this isn't nearly large enough to handle what God wants to do here. And sure enough, it was no time flat until they were running out of space, particularly in the children's area. God is doing awesome th things through all of our kids' celebration ministries, but Half Moon happens to have the highest ratio of children to adults of all of our campuses, all of our congregations. And uh, God is saving souls, he's changing lives, and it is amazing. Now, the staff has done lots of things to respond to this. First of all, the staff gave up their offices. And they've consistently not had offices at Half Moon. Why? Because those rooms are needed to teach children on Sunday morning, all right? Another thing they consistently do is take up half of the lobby here, particularly in this section right over in here on a typical Sunday morning to minister to children there. So it makes the conditions here even more crowded at Half Moon. And then there are other things. For about two years, roughly, they got two, we rented two spacious double-wide trailers. And they were parked outside of the building. The town allowed us to do that temporarily. And those provided some relief from the crowding. And so we were able to minister to children in uh, those classrooms. But finally, after giving a gracious time extension, the town said, enough is enough. The trailers need to go. And so we no longer have those. And then we put off this expansion even longer because we wondered what the launching of our Saratoga campus would mean for Half Moon. And so... Half Moon was able to send well over 100 people to Saratoga to help launch that great congregation in Saratoga. And God is blessing there. But now, ever so gradually, the numbers at Half Moon are growing back to pre-Saratoga launch numbers. The time has come. I can't believe we waited this long to expand this facility. We're going to expand it by 8,000 square feet. And that will get our ratios in just the right symbiotic balance. In case you're curious about this, we need a balance at Grace. Every church needs this if it's healthy. Every church needs a balance between sanctuary seating, children's space and fellowship space, and the parking outside. Those have to be in proper ratio and at Half Moon right now, the children's area is way out of balance. So we're going to expand by 8,000 square feet. And we're going to ask that God would continue to use that congregation to change lives. 
Let me tell you just one story of the kinds of stuff God is doing at Half Moon. This is amazing. The story of the Cook family. Some of you may know Jean and Tina Cook. Seven years ago, they came to Half Moon for the first time, somewhat reluctantly. They came because their fifth grader, Kevin, was bugging them about finding a church. Now, that's an unusual fifth grader right there, wouldn't you agree? And uh, so they went to check it out, and Kevin went to Kids Celebration and immediately fell in love with it. I mean, why not? He's hearing dynamic music. Jesus is being uh, taught and all that Jesus said and did and so on. It is fantastic. And a few months later, on a Sunday morning, Kevin invited Jesus to be his Lord and Savior and come and change his life. So Kevin is now a, a real Jesus follower. A few months later, Caitlin, his older sister who's in high school, she has started going to the youth group. She's hearing Pastor Chad Bryan teach from the Bible and talk about the gospel. And now Caitlin invites Jesus to be her savior and to come and change her life from the inside out. And Jean and Tina, the mom and dad, are watching all this with curiosity. You see, they've been in church. They know the gospel story. But I think they would say to you today that, you know what? Their faith was a lot more up here than it was down here. Do you know anyone like that? Folks, our capital district is full of people like that. They kind of know the story. They kind of know what Jesus did, and he was born of a virgin and died on a cross for our sins and rose again from the dead, and all those things, but it's kind of up here more than it is down here. So they begin to dive in and re-examine their own faith. Is this real for us? Do we have a relationship with Christ? And they went to adult Bible studies. They went to Financial Peace University, and pretty soon... Gene and Tina have personalized their faith, and they're genuinely following after Jesus as their Lord and Savior. Fast forward with me to 2014. Gene Cook agrees to chaperone a youth mission trip to Guatemala, and God breaks his heart with the poverty he sees there. And he says, Lord, if you'll allow me, I'd love to do something about this when I go back home. And today, Gene Cook is our grace in action champion for our half moon congregation. He and other leaders are able to minister to well over 100 kids each week in one of the large trailer parks in Saratoga County. And they work through Captain Youth and Family Services. They're able to provide these kids with a nourishing meal, to help them with their homework, to mentor them and pour into their lives. It's exciting ministry. But here's, here's the thing that's most thrilling to me. At Half Moon, Pastor Justin has developed a tradition for some years now that Thanksgiving weekend is a baptism weekend. And just several weeks ago, back this past Thanksgiving weekend, Gene and Tina Cook go public with their faith as they stand in the baptismal pool, publicly declaring their faith in Jesus, and they're baptized by guess who? Their children. Kevin and Caitlin. Isn't that awesome? Yeah. That's exciting stuff. And with tears streaming down his face, Gene Cook declares, I never dreamed seven years ago when we first came here how God would use this church to change our family. That's just one of many amazing life change stories of what God is up to at Half Moon. It's high time that we gave them a better ministry tool. And by the way, that's all that buildings are. I hope you know that. 
If you're still thinking that buildings are these temples, you're, back, you're stuck back in the Old Testament. The New Testament says we are the temple of the living God. You, if you're a follower of Jesus, he dwells in you. He dwells in us as we gather together. But buildings are marvelous ministry tools, and they need to be sharp, and they need to be able to do the job that we need to do as ministers. So that's what we're proposing. You say, what is that going to cost? Well, it's going to cost about $2.5 million. Those numbers are carefully vetted. We're going to lose 50 parking spaces as we expand, and then we're going to add 50 more out closer to the street there. And with all the furniture, every feature we need, all the accoutrements we need for that to outfit it and get it ready, it's going to be about $2.5 million. Let me say something now that I'll elaborate on later. For every dollar we spend on a project, we're going to give one-tenth of that amount away to humanitarian aid. We don't have to do that. That's not some biblical thing that a church has to do. It's something we feel God prodding us to do, quite honestly, because that is a vital part of what God has called the church to do, to make a difference with hurting, hungry, and homeless people, both locally and globally, and I'll explain that more fully in just a moment, okay? So that's our Half Moon Project. But then, with your sheet out, I want you to kind of move down a little bit to the second priority. We're just talking about our Jerusalem right now. We're not even on anywhere else yet. Our Jerusalem, the second priority, is going to be some upgrades at Latham. Some upgrades at Latham. Now, since we first moved into the Latham facility back on May the 19th, 2002, but who's counting, right? I don't, I don't know. My wife is amazed that I keep all these dates in my head, but that's one of the many dates that's kind of stuck there. I'll never forget. We moved into this building, and it became our worship center. You see, Debbie and I used to live up the road from Latham in Latham Village, and this is where we shopped for our groceries, I can still take you to where the vegetables were. I really can. I really can. We knew that it was a Grand Union grocery store. Some of you shopped here as well. I can see you laughing and Shay nodding your head. And we got Chinese food from the South Walk up the way here and ate occasionally in the buffet up on the end. But since that time, we've done virtually nothing for this building. Debbie has an analogy that I'm fond of. She said, in a sense... Latham is like a loyal, faithful mom who's given birth to three amazing children. Her children's names are Half Moon, Saratoga, and Greenbush. Strange names for kids, I'll admit. But those are her kids. And as all good moms will do, she's done some sacrificing through the years to put her kids in some pretty good uh, clothes. But through that process, the mom's looking a little frumpy. Can we just have a moment of honesty here? When you drive up to the Latham facility, you know what it really looks like from the outside? It looks like an old, tired grocery store. You know why? Because it's an old, tired grocery store. That's what it is. So it's time that we gave some love to this faithful, loyal mom, some help, some upgrades. So there's five parts to that that I want you to see. One of them is the facade. 
We're proposing an upgrade on the facade. This facade is over two football fields long. That's over 600 feet long. It's a lot of space. And we're hoping that we can make that a whole lot more attractive. Secondly, we're going to give a little attention to the lobby. These are just artist renderings, of course, but we hope we can get something very, very close to this. Uh, I've had this phrase said to me numerous times when people were in the lobby. They'll look around and go, this looks like an airplane hangar in here. And uh, I suppose in a sense it does. We haven't warmed it up very much. And so we're just hoping to create some spaces where people can talk and have conversations about the Lord and about what they're learning as they follow him and about what's going on in their lives. Remember, buildings are ministry tools. That's what they are. We never want opulent buildings. That would be pointless. But we do want sharp buildings that can do the function that they need to do in ministry. A third priority is we're going to give some attention to the sanctuary at Latham. Again, since we moved in here over 15 years ago, there's been virtually nothing done except a little bit of paint thrown on the walls. A fourth priority at Latham is an extension of this kids' celebration hallway. We've wanted to do this for years, but it, it costs money to do that. And so right now, if you're going from the kids' celebration area out to the youth center or back again, guess what? You have to walk outside. And when it's really cold, that wind that gets created along that building, it's like a wind tunnel there, it will take your breath away. But it will also allow us to secure this area quite a bit better as we extend the hallway all the way down. And I hope I don't have to tell you that security for our children is definitely a top priority. And our security team just recently has reminded us of that need. And then finally, the youth center itself at Latham is going to be a part of this. If you were to ask me, Pastor Rex, what is the most used part of the building as far as ministry goes? Hands down, nothing even close, the youth center. It's used not just by youth, it's used by women's ministry, men's ministry, homeschoolers, outside groups that come in and we're glad to have them use our facility and it shows the wear and tear is there. So we're going to do some upgrades and there's a lot of square footage involved in these upgrades because the Latham facility is so large. What's that going to cost? All these upgrades to do what we hope to do and pray to do is going to be about $2.8 million. Let me say it again. For every dollar we spend on a project, we're going to give one-tenth of that amount away to humanitarian aid, okay, to help hurting, hungry, homeless people. One thing I know about Latham is we have more people who are exploring faith at Latham than any other congregation. I think there's something about the largeness of it that allows people who aren't sure yet if the building is gonna cave in when they walk in the doors, it allows them to come and check it out with anonymity. But you know what I've discovered through many years now? If I've heard this testimony once, I've heard it dozens of times. I came, I sat, I listened, I was skeptical, at first, I wondered if the gospel could really be true. I didn't know if it really would apply to me, but people sit for months or sometimes years and finally declare, you know what? 
My questions have been answered. I really do believe this, and many have professed faith in Christ through these years. It's an incredible ministry tool, this building we have here. We want it to be as sharp as it can be. But now let's leave Jerusalem. Let's go on now to our Judea and Samaria. Let me share with you a third ministry priority in this 2020 vision. We are praying, we are asking, and I want you to begin to pray and pray into every aspect of this. We're asking that God would allow us to start a healthy, flourishing congregation, Grace Fellowship Congregation, in Schenectady County. Now you say, well, why Schenectady County? Well, thank you for asking. You guys ask awesome questions. I, I really, really appreciate it. Historically, the Capital District is made up of four key counties. Some talk about areas beyond these, but these are the heart of the Capital Region. You know what they are. There's Albany County, Rensselaer, Saratoga, and that fourth one is Schenectady. Well, guess what? Right now, we have a church presence in three of those four. Rensselaer, this is Greenbush campus. In Saratoga County, we have two campuses, Saratoga and Half Moon. And in Albany County, we have our Latham campus. But currently, we have no church presence in Schenectady County. Now, that's interesting when you look at our database. Because according to our database, there's almost 1,000, to be exact, 995 regular attenders and some folks who are a little less than regular, I think, in that, I've discovered, who actually live. That is, their address is Schenectady County. I find that interesting. And then we have over 150 people beyond those that come from areas beyond Schenectady County. I'm talking Schoharie County, Fulton County, the cities along the Mohawk, Fort Plain, Amsterdam, Canajahari, Fultonville, Fonda, etc. We have one dear couple at Latham that I've chatted with who come, folks, honestly, as you go to where they live, you go down I-88, you go past Coble Skill Exit, you go past Oneonta Exit, and you keep driving and driving and driving, and they live almost in Binghamton. And they come to the Saturday service at Latham, it's incredible. Now listen, they drive almost two hours one way. Now Christians will do crazy things like that, right? Because we get it. We understand how important the Lord's work is and his church is in our lives. But listen, your unbelieving neighbors aren't gonna do that. And through national studies, we know two things about the distance of the church where you, where you worship. If you have to drive 15 minutes or more to your church, two things kick in. One, it greatly limits your ability to be meaningfully involved in service. And number two, it greatly limits your effectiveness in inviting your unchurched friends and neighbors because they ain't going to drive two hours, folks. They're probably not going to drive 10 or 15 minutes. That's why our whole strategy has been, let's go to where the people are. My goodness, let's not just stay in Latham. Why would we do that? Let's go. Let's go to Greenbush. Let's go to Half Moon. Let's go to Saratoga. And we're asking that God would allow us to have a presence in Schenectady County. Schenectady County just got a shiny new casino. And I understand 
that in the first week alone, $27 million were spent there. I hope I don't need to remind you that that casino is probably not going to reduce the stress in families. It, it's, it's honestly probably not going to give tremendous hope for the future to most, more, most people. It, it's not going to mend marriages. It's not going to put families back together. The need for a church presence there is greater than ever. You say, well, my goodness, but aren't there churches there already? Hallelujah, yes. And we love all those gospel preaching churches in Schenectady County. And we're going to encourage them all we can, help their leaders all we can, and pray for them, and pray that God would flourish and accelerate their efforts. Our greatest joy would be not just if Grace Fellowship would be raised, but if all the gospel preaching churches would flourish. Amen? Can you say amen to that? All the gospel preaching churches, that's our greatest heart desire, that God would so bring revival and awakening to this area. Woo, that would thrill us more than anything. But we really have reason to believe that God would greatly bless a grace fellow. I've had people say to me, oh my goodness, they heard this part, My brother will now go to the church for the first time. He said, oh, if it were only closer. Oh, my mom and dad live there. Oh, my cousin lives. And they're literally, I've seen people in tears as they've gotten wind of what we're asking God to do. Now, you say, but Pastor Rex, how many of those people are Christians already? 50, 60, 70, 80%, right? the people who live there. By the way, according to the 2013 census, there are 155,000 inhabitants of Schenectady County. How many are Christians? 80%? 50? It's interesting, isn't it? Did you know you live in a very special part of the country? Did you know that? If you don't know that, it's high time that you found out. You live in what George Barna And he's done a ton of research on this area because we're unique. Do you realize that we are next to the bottom of the list when it comes to biblical illiteracy in the Capital District? Did you know that? We got edged out by Providence, Rhode Island. They're more ignorant of the Bible than we are. Woo! But not to be outdone, according to George Barna, the most respected Christian statistician alive today, We are number one in the country when it comes to what he calls post-Christian. What in the world does that mean? Europe is post-Christian. The UK is post-Christian. Numerous other parts of the world are post-Christian, meaning once there was a strong gospel presence there, once those areas identified as being kind of Christian cultures, if you will, where a Judeo-Christian mindset was the popular belief, but no longer. They're saying, been there, done that. We reject the tenets of Christianity. The Capital District of New York is number one in the nation as far as being post-Christian. And according to George Barna, if you say over 9% are true Christians, you're really pushing it. According to Barna statistics, about 9% of the capital district are what you could call genuine followers 
of Jesus Christ. So even if you say his numbers are wrong, even if you push it up to 15% are real Christians, you've still got at least 130,000 people in Schenectady County who currently do not have a saving relationship with Jesus Christ. How should we feel about that? What should we do about that? I don't know about you, but that haunts me. Because I'm a missionary here. I came from Tennessee. I am here on mission for God. I hope you're on mission. We've got to learn to think like missionaries because we are in an alien culture, folks. Please believe me on this. We've got to learn how to penetrate this culture with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And God has allowed us to do that effectively. But we're asking he would allow us to do it even more effectively than we ever had. Boy, if that's the kind of octane you're running on, I invite you to come and join us and be a part of that. You say, now, how, how, how much is all this going to cost? Well, if we get a lease on a building that we need, are able to retrofit it, all the startup costs, everything that we need in that ramp-up period, it'll be about $1.7 million to get that campus up and going with a lease. You say, well, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. We spent, over eight years ago, we spent $4.2 million on the Half Moon Project. Yeah, but we purchased that. We purchased the property there with the building on it, did all the retrofitting, and turned that Saab dealership into an awesome sanctuary. What a ministry tool. And so to purchase a facility, to retrofit that facility at Schenectady County real estate prices would be about $5 million to get the ratios that we need. And we found through a lot of experience now that our sweet spot in terms of space is about 25,000 square feet. That kind of gets all those ratios in the right place for us with adequate parking on the outside of the building. So that's what we're praying that God will allow us to do so we can have a strong gospel witness in the Schenectady County region. There's so many people there, I believe, that God is preparing their hearts and they're going to come to Christ. I'm praying that we will see hundreds and hundreds saved even in the next several years. So that's our Judea and Samaria. Now, let me explain the part to the ends of the world, that part. Remember, I've been saying all along that for every dollar we spend on a project, we're gonna give one-tenth of that amount away to humanitarian aid. Now, let me explain what I mean by that. You see the pie chart here. I want you to think of that in terms of thirds. We're proposing that we would give one-third of that away locally. I hope you know, we have 16 Grace in Action partners locally that are doing an awesome job helping the hungry, hurting, homeless people, many people without hope in our area, and hundreds of us serve regularly at those locations helping people in some way. We'd love to help right here because we believe that charity begins at home. We believe that you need to be concerned about our own backyard, not just about people on the other side of the globe, but right here. So a third would go here. A third, a second third, would go to our global mission partners. We have awesome partners all around the world. Uh, we, we, we have a team leaving just this weekend for Haiti who are gonna be ministry there, a medical mission team of 20 people going to serve the, the poor and the homeless and the hurting people in Haiti. 
And we're constantly on mission like that. And we have partnerships that are awesome around the world. We're going to give a third of it there. And the final third will go to help Syrian refugees who've been displaced by ISIS and other terrorist organizations. If you're not aware of this, we are living in one of the greatest refugee crises in modern history. There are millions of people who've been driven from their homes with only the clothes on their back or maybe a raggedy bag with a couple of personal items. We believe God is calling us to do something about that. Millions of people living in rickety refugee camps in a tent or in a rickety shed with a few pieces of wood and tin thrown together. And a staggering number of them are children. These children need to be fed and clothed. They need to be educated and they need to hear the gospel. All these folks need to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ, the bread of life. And that's what we plan to do with the third part of this humanitarian aid. Our hope, our goal, would be as we reach all of these to give over a million dollars away, if we reach all these goals, to give over a million dollars away to humanitarian aid, okay? That's what we're praying God would allow us to do. Now, as we wrap up today, and thank you again to those of you who may be our guests. You've been so kind and patient as we're having a family discussion here for the people who really love Grace Fellowship and what God is doing here. We're so grateful that you could listen in to this today. And we're talking about this throughout the month of March as we get into more and more detail. And we're asking you as a congregation, as a church family, to consider two things. Number one is to pray. Now, I hope you've been hearing your lead pastor already talk about the prayer meeting that's coming up. It's a concert of prayer that I'm looking forward to facilitating along with members of all four of our worship teams at the different campuses. It's going to be at Latham, and we're going to come together and just have a raucous prayer meeting. If you think prayer meetings have to be dull, think again. It's going to be fun. We're going to have a blast as we pray into every aspect of this 2020 vision. But also, I hope you're hearing a lot about the prayer vigil. That's a 24-hour prayer effort we'd love you to be a part of. I think that Samuel Chadwick was right when he said the one concern of the devil is to keep Christians from praying. He fears nothing from prayerless studies, prayerless work, prayerless religion. He laughs at our toil, mocks at our wisdom, but trembles when we pray. I believe that. I believe that prayer strikes the winning blow, and so we're wrapping the whole month of March in prayer. I'm asking you to join in that. Pray for every aspect of what we've been talking about. And secondly, I'm asking you to consider what God would want you to give in terms of a three-year pledge. A three-year pledge. Now, for those of us who've been at Grace a long time, hey, this is the fifth campaign like this we've had the privilege, and I mean privilege, of participating in. If you were here, been here 20 years or more, 18 years or more, you know that in the first few years, as we were constantly growing and needing to expand, there was one capital campaign after another. This is our fifth official capital campaign now. And so you have seen more than anyone, if you've been around a long time, the blessings that God brings into your life through this. But many of you are new. 
And what we're talking about here in this 2020 vision is what God would allow us to pledge, to give, to accomplish over a three-year period, over and above our regular giving. Now, two weeks from today, two weeks from today is our pledge weekend. We're going to come together, and it's going to be a very unusual service. We'll be all connected through technology at all of our locations. It is one exciting moment. You don't want to miss that. In fact, if you must be away that weekend, it's the last weekend in March, I would urge you to go ahead and make your pledge. You can also make your pledge online. You can, if you are accustomed to giving online, as about 30% of you do, then that would be a great way to make the pledge. If you're still old school like Debbie and me, you can just still use that envelope. The envelopes are going to be in the seat back pockets at your location. But also on that weekend, we're gonna have a pledge card. And Debbie and I are prayerfully looking at what our pledge is gonna be. We've already made an initial pledge. We're asking God, should we tweak that and maybe increase that? I'm asking you to consider what God would want you to do in terms of a three-year pledge over and above your regular giving. So as we wrap up today, let's do a little recap of all we've said here. First of all, you could think of it like bronze, silver, gold, and platinum, I suppose. If we get 2.5 million, and by the way, we're not borrowing any money in this. We're not getting a mortgage. We're not going into debt for any of the things that I've talked about here. Hope everybody hears that. It's just a commitment that we're making. It wouldn't be wrong to do, but it's just not something we're planning to do, and we're committed not to do it. So if we get the 2.5, we're able to do the expansion in half moon. It's like a bronze level. If we kind of get silver level, that would be 5.3. We'd be able to expand half moon and do the necessary upgrades at Latham. If we get gold level, that'd be like 7 million. We could expand half moon, upgrade Latham, and we'd be able to get in a lease situation in our Schenectady County campus. And if we get platinum level, we'd be able to expand Half Moon, upgrade Latham, and purchase our own facility that we can retrofit in any way we need as an incredibly sharp ministry tool as we ask God to help us to get the gospel out to so many thousands of people in Schenectady County. And I'm inviting you to be a part of this effort. Now listen, one final word as I close. I don't know where God may be leading you in the future. I don't know if he may lead you to a wonderful, warm, inviting southern climate. Boy, there's a lot of great places. And it would be so much fun to maybe go to South Carolina, North Carolina, Tennessee. There's a pretty good state for you. Maybe Florida. Uh, there's so many amazing places, and that is awesome. In fact, I hope you can get a beach house there one day. I hope God blesses you like that. All I ask is you invite us. That's the only requirement I'm asking of you, okay? Invite us to visit. But I want you to know something, that Debbie and I have never been more committed and never more excited about being right here in the capital region. You know why? Because this is the greatest mission field in the world. And we're so blessed and privileged that God has called us and would allow us to live our days out here representing Jesus well in one of the places in the world that needs the gospel the most. Amen?
Amen. We invite you to continue to be a part of that. Father, thank you for this 2020 vision and that we could be a part of what you're doing in this little corner of the world. May we represent you well as we continue to take the gospel out, not just to Jerusalem, but to Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the world. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. 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 Thank you, Pastor Rex. And will the ushers please come forward as we receive our tithes and offerings. And I want to invite any of you.